Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Reviews. This is our last one for the year and we've got some pretty good books on tap. I, of course, am your host, Sean, joined this week by Marco. What's up? We're here to talk about Swamp Thing Green Hell. Number oh, wait, one. wait. Hold that up. Keep that up. Take Keep a that look. Up. Yes, that take looks, a that, look. All right. That looks nice. That looks good. Look at that. That's beautiful. That sweet art. Um Human sweet target. Physical. Yes, physical. There you go. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta get that in there. Uh, human target number three. Nice. Is that a is that a glossy cover or like uh like one of the the plastic outsides and the papers in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are nice. And then uh, we've got Devil's Reign number two. So pretty good covers at least. But how are the comics inside? Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to let you guys know how you can support the show. Leave us a like, follow, rating, and a review wherever you listen to us. Doesn't matter where it is. On Spotify, you can now leave podcasts, a review, and a rating. So please do do that if you listen to us on Spotify. Even if you don't, you've got a Spotify, send it over there and drop us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. If you listen to us on YouTube, that's youtube.com slash pals. Head on over, hit that subscribe button. We are close to our goal of 500 subscribers. Of course, our goal is like as many subscribers as possible, right? But like for now, that's what we're hoping to get to. So help us out if you haven't and drop that subscribe. It's free to do. All that's free to do. And it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Listen to our main show, The Comics Pals, which drops every single Monday. We just dropped our last episode of the year on Monday. So go check that out and look forward to our first episode of the year coming out this Monday. We've got you covered. And we've got you covered with the reviews for today. So without further ado, let's talk about it. Swamp Thing Green Hell. That's quite a title. Uh, (laughs) Jeff Lemire, Doug Mankey, David Barron. uh, With Steve Wands on lettering duties. So this was a hotly anticipated book for us, especially, I would say, this particular duo here on the podcast. Marco. How did this live up to the lofty expectations that you had? So I think I mentioned it on the show this past week. I was really excited for this because one of the concepts that we're touching on is the the rot, the red, the green. And that's something that we haven't done in, in quite a while. Um, the current Ram V, the Swamp Thing has been really, really good, but it hasn't delved into that that matter or that uh, concept within the Swamp Thing sort of lore there. So for for that to be what they're tackling here, I thought would be a lot of fun. Um, I don't know how I feel about it in, I guess I do know how I feel about it. In in practice, I think it was a little cheeky. Um, Just the, the dialogue of having the individual parliaments, like just be chatty with each other. Uh, It kind of diminished some of that value for me. And uh, some of the more, uh, not mystical, I guess mystical aspects of it, because they are these grander pieces, and um, we haven't gotten to like the really, uh, the really good stuff for the Alan Moore uh, something, yeah, where they they touch upon this a bit more. Um, I know you're familiar with it, Sean, because of the Scott Sanders stuff, um, and it's such a different vibe, like the the way that they present the parliaments, the way that they present the right. concepts. 
it's so much more different. I think work better elsewhere, um, unfortunately. And um, that's not to say that the book wasn't good. I, I had fun with the narrative. I had fun with um, the the story. I just think the the inclusion of Swamp Thing, I don't know, made the book any better. Yeah, I think I come down in a similar place. Like everything looks good, right? The art's great. The letters are great. The colors are great. Um, the script is solid too, but this is one of those times where I actually think the idea, like the 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 actual concept is what I'm struggling with because, you know, Swamp Thing as a vessel for this desire to purge Earth of man, that's kind of weird. And there's mm. a way that I could get with that, but I don't think that this was that way. Um, just because... Even even like the last people, right? By and large, they seem to be like decent people. Like there's this little town of people who are just trying to get by, doing their best. You would think that Swamp Thing would want to encourage that and help them forward, not destroy them. Um, and if Swamp Thing does want to, or if the Green rather wants to destroy them, then in my mind, it would be because things are so far gone that this is a necessity not like a evil villain pantheon having a plan yeah. just a, a, a natural course of 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 earth you know what i'm saying so mm -hmm. um the presentation was weird and then the fact that the avatar ended up being someone who we saw be not a good person in life i don't think that helped either i think that made no sense actually they've so we've we've gone over the stuff um specifically i'm thinking about um when woodru became or not became the elemental but uh was part of the the green in the alan moore run um that yeah. first art that we read for the book club like th there you have the parliament get twisted and want to you know destroy earth and whatnot um i think the context there made more sense because it was somebody foreign entering the space and having those desires right. being fed into the into the green, they've they've dabbled with this in the past. Um, it's never been super clean. I think the the concept of a vengeful Earth can work, but I don't know that it's always uh, the best in execution. Um, the the second volume of uh, Swamp Thing towards the end, uh, the Mark Millar stuff. That's kind of the concept, but I there. See the destruction of earth is because well swamp thing is the elemental of the planet earth and there he's just a god so it, it doesn't um it's almost like a dr manhattan situation where like the the normal goings on for these people are insignificant to him because at the end of the day the earth's gonna survive and that's what he cares more about right so um i don't know the, these these kinds of stories i think uh really really rely on the execution and i don't know that it was really nailed here um i hope the second issue because i'm definitely coming back for it will give us a bit more um but the you call that like the bad guy being the avatar that's something that they, they have done like um uh grundy actually was at some point like picked up because like he died and was resurrected resurrected you know that's his whole gimmick and so he, at some point, was like a false um, elemental and this whole situation. So it's been done in the past, uh, but still, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't vibe with it. 
even even like the way the issue ends with Constantine bringing Swamp Thing, I guess, forward from the past or from some different place, Alec Holland Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. where he's okay, he's happy. Bringing him here to deal with this situation, like, does that even make sense? Like, I, I just don't really, I don't know. I, it feels too, um, feels a little hokey, actually. Oh, wow. Hey, John Constantine lives in this lighthouse and he just happens to be around so we can summon Swamp Thing and we can get some swampy on swampy action. Just, uh, you know, um, I, I, yeah. I, you know, Constantine's usually a driver of a story um, in Swamp Thing stuff, and we've yeah. seen that with Ron B's thing. But like, even still, I think it, I would have much rather preferred it just be him driving that narrative rather than we needing. Because uh, I agree, it's definitely hokey that he's just here and oh, let me bring on you know the good Swamp Thing. Right. Um, if the green is so okay, the green essentially is in control of Swamp Thing in a sense, right? Like the Swamp Thing is a fusion of the green and the human being that gets absorbed into it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So then if you take a Swamp Thing from the past and bring it to the present, wouldn't it be compelled to live out the agenda of the green, no matter where it is? It would. The uh, the thing is, I don't know that it's being brought up from the past. I think, um, so what ends up happening is you when you no longer are the avatar, you just become a parliament member and you're basically just like chilling in paradise. So right. I think that's what happened here is that he was brought forth from that paradise, from that respite, respite? Yeah, uh, to be called upon again to fight back against whatever the green is. And it's not always the case where uh, you'll have a, an elemental or swamp thing come up and be aligned with the green. Um, mm-hmm. It's usually a plot point, uh, but in this case, I think I think that made sense that you know he can pull up Alec Holland and Alec Holland's like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I need to fight the green because they're being evil and shit. Like whatever. That's something that uh, I think is okay and makes sense. Huh. Okay. Um. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the art a little bit because, like we said, the art is good. Um. I think you said. Did you say that you were not a fan of Doug? No, that was a uh, Kale. Kale. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't get that. This page is outrageous. I'm holding it up for you. you oh, on YouTube. That was so good. Oh my god, yeah. when you first see that thing? The monster swamp thing, the evil swamp thing. It's just crazy. Um I really yeah. didn't know what to expect from this book. I didn't think I was gonna be seeing things like that. Um, so I'm pretty pleased. That was really cool from a visual standpoint. The visual showcase is definitely where it's at for this book for me. Uh, the there's like I want to say three or four splash pages where we see just like this monstrous swamp thing come and just fuck shit up. And that's cool. Yeah. And like the main swamp thing book by Rom um, and the mics is a visual showcase, but in a more subdued, almost like um, almost like esoteric is where I want to go mm. uh, in the sense that it says a lot without doing bombastic stuff like this. This yeah. is just a crazy cool, nasty, horrific image of this big hulking swamp beast. Uh, and you won't find that really over there. Not in this way. Um, and I like that now for the time being, there are two distinctly different swamp thing stories on the market. I was going to ask you, how do you feel about that? Because um, 
it's never been my experience that I've had to consider more than one Swamp Thing book at a time. Yeah. So like, it's weird that I'm like, oh yeah, this book is absolutely like slaying, and this book's like, meh. Right. It's it's not as good. You know, yeah. like it it just isn't. At least not to us. We really love what Rom is doing over there and, and what the crew is doing. Uh, but I like that it exists. If somebody wants their Swamp Thing, but they don't necessarily want to dive into Rom's work, which I think you should. I think you should go get that trade. Absolutely. It, this is a decent like palate cleanser in a way from some of the more heavy stuff that goes on in the main Swamp Thing book. I think that this book is more. Hmm. Okay, let me let me know if this makes sense. Yeah. The the art here makes the book and this book feel more like monstrous, um, but. Rom and Mike Perkins, that book feels more horror focused. And I think it has to do with the the thick inks that Mike yeah. Perkins brings, the the sort of noir shadow vibes that we yeah. get. And so I think there's much more of a stylistic choice to lean into horror where this is absolutely horror, but it feels more of like monster of the week kind of situation. Totally agree. This feels like what look, Doug Mikey's gonna do what he does, and he does superhero comics you know mm -hmm. like by and large that's what i know him for dc he's a dc artist and that's what he does so no matter what the genre if you will is he's gonna bring his style and that is his style he okay. didn't switch it up for this um so it is a, a horror book but it has those dc hallmarks from a visual standpoint that lets you know hey this is still a dc swamp thing comic book different from the way that The Swamp Thing is also a DC uh, comic Swamp Thing book, but it doesn't necessarily look like DC. Yeah. Even the issues with the Suicide Squad, they look slightly different than how you might see them depicted otherwise. You know, like, there's not those necessarily all those cool action poses and things like that. It's a different beast from what this is. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I, even the colors. Uh, I, think, I think the colors in particular, Mike Spicer on the the swamp thing and then uh did doug do the colors on this one too uh on the colors here it was actually david baron david baron okay uh i mean you know they did a good job um but it's not the same kind of stylistic and visual uh feast that the other book is uh i feel bad that we're kind of consistently comparing it like for what it is this is good I, like absolutely good no nothing bad about it nothing wrong about it uh it's just there's there's unfortunately that comparison point and it doesn't i, I don't think it stands to it well to me i i would say uh it doesn't even have to be like that that, that the swamp thing is a person's unilateral choice as the better book you could read this and think oh this is excellent you know i sure. love it um, that's not impossible. Just for us, we feel a bit spoiled. That's more because, <coughs> sorry, uh, Marco comes from the school of like OG Swamp Thing, right? Which the legacy of that is carried over in Rob's work. But Very that much. might not be for you. So it's just two different types of books. I think this one struggles a little bit from the fact that it wants to introduce this huge concept doesn't necessarily have all the time in the world so um there are some cheats that lemire does use 
to get where he wants to go doesn't necessarily work perfectly. But as Marco said earlier, like we're definitely going to read the second one. And Mm -hmm. there's no reason why this creative team can't pull something brilliant out. So, yeah, 100 percent agreed. Um, This is a three issue mini, I want to say. I want to say that that's correct. Yeah, so. And uh, I think the the format is really cool. It's uh, it is oversized, yeah. so it uh, it looks nice. And Sean pulled up the book earlier. It it just it looks like like that nice uh, black label sort of European album stock book that they've been doing recently. Yep. Um, it looks really good on on the iPad. It fits it much better as well. So like, um, uh, while truthfully I am jealous, Sean, <laughs> um, it's it's still it works. It's good. The format's good. I yeah, I definitely agree. Um, it's it's good stuff. Uh, you know what else is good stuff? Human Target. Human oh. Target is good stuff. Uh, we've Real got stuff. issue three here. Tom King, Greg Smallwood. Uh, you know, Anna de Armas. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the thing that's cool about this book is that every time that Tom King has a new series. Whoever the artist is becomes the showcase yeah. and a contender for Tom's greatest co-creator slash artist. For sure. And Greg Smallwood is definitely uh, staking his claim here in this in this book. This is just visually just fantastic on every level. I think the what Greg's been using to his advantage has been we're sort of in this like color space in DC comics recently where people have been actually just just in comics. I'm thinking even like something like beta Ray bill where uh, these bright contrasting colors, secondary colors, greens, yellows, pinks, they're, they're all just mixed into the books, Mm -hmm. but laid, laid down against these classic styles. And Greg Smallwood here is taking his uh, noir leanings then mixing in these pop art colors and it just makes the book like delicious this 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 uh second page um yeah the second page where we see christopher chance and then um guys just in the bed it's being cut across with the yeah like beautiful beautiful stuff and the that those are against the um like blindfolds uh on the on the the windows to let the sunlight in classic movie trope for this kind of a genre of a book uh and it just gets elevated yeah um it's a it's that's a very beautiful scene and like i always um it's it's funny because sometimes artists will take shortcuts by not drawing backgrounds because Mm. it's too too hard and obviously here they are in a room so there isn't a lot to show but greg smallwood does something really smart he says okay all I have to work with is a hotel room. So, but I'm going to infuse that with style by saying these walls right here, they're going to just be green and the blinds are going to let in this like really deep yellow light. So that's going to be a contrast between hear me out green, the green of the green lantern, right. And the green lanterns weakness being yellow fear. Oh shit! And his fear is that Christopher Chance is messing with his girl. Yo, that's crazy, bro! You blew my mind. That's so good. 
So, Holy yeah. shit. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Shit. Greg Smallwood, kudos. Eisner right here. <laughs> Just give it to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I like the inclusion of Guy Gardner. We're kind of mixing things up a little bit more because we also get Booster here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care for Booster Gold. I'm not really a, a fan of, of his. I know a lot of people are, but he's never been my bag. Uh, he's fun here, though. He's he's a lot of fun. I feel like I know only I only know Booster Gold from the cartoons, and he's always been like a joke character in those. So I think this this lived up to what my expectation of a Booster Gold character would be. He's just kind of like a screw up, but right. Um, and and he says it right, but at least he's fun, and <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah, I I definitely agree, and a good um middle point between guy and christopher chance Mm. um in that you know guy is super serious and christopher chance is just super cool and guy uh (laughs) uh, booster super goofy you know i love that but then what we also get here is each of these new additions has a reason to want to have killed lex yeah um so guy wants to kill lex potentially because he believes that Lex, or I guess Lex did, uh, kill Ice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Booster might want to kill... Well, Booster has the ability to have killed Lex because he could have gone back in time to get undetectable materials, like mm-hmm. the water. Uh, so I, I like that. Really smart stuff by Tom King to see the potential for everybody who's appeared so far to have been the culprit here. Yeah, I it it uh it sets everybody up in like a this mysterious light where you wouldn't otherwise put them. Like you walk in on Booster Gold opening up his first bagel shop, but the bagel shop is the potential for murder. And right, that's just that 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 in and of itself is goofy. And Booster Gold being a goofy character, it just works perfectly. Uh yeah, well done on the on on that part for the just leveraging the the plot and the individual characters uh, i cannot wait for martian manhunter because i'm very interested to see what that's gonna look like that's gonna be a lot of fun and and this is like this is such a good murder mystery because think about like strange adventures right we knew that something was off we knew that you know there was a, a question mark as far as the truth and the lies and all that stuff but we the the way the mystery was kind of put together was a little bit janky and it took a while mm-hmm. whereas here it's concrete we know what the mystery is from the word go we know who the suspects are the perpetrator will inevitably be one of these people and each issue is a promise the, the, the issue is saying hey you're going to see more of the potential suspects you're going to learn why they might want to have killed lex and they're going to interact with Christopher uh, Chance. Easy. Boom. That's exactly. A book. Exactly. That's a book. And you add some tremendous art, smart dialogue, and you have a series that's worth investing in. I have nothing to complain about here. Yeah. So, nothing at all. This this has been, these have been probably, I think, the most solid Tom King issues I've, uh, I've ever read. We're three issues in. Uh, and I feel like every time we do a Tom King review, I have either an issue with pacing, be from the get go, 
uh, an issue with the dialogue off of one issue to the other, but this has been uh, so clean, yeah. consistent, and tight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just knocked it out of the park again. So f- this three issues deep, do you have any theory? Do you feel like it was any of these people that we've seen so far who tried to kill Lex? I'm still convinced that Martian Manager has something to do with it. Uh, I'm going to wait for that issue just because I think that was the the guess I had locked in. Okay. Um, but if we're talking about tropes, Ice is the immediate, you know, she comes in, she's too nice. She wants to help out. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I guess I, I was thinking about it um, and I wouldn't hate that. Because it would just play like right into what this book is, and yeah. I can only imagine it'd be it come off really clean and well executed. Um, but if it's not, I won't be mad because it, I won't see it coming. I, at least as of right now, I still don't. I think my guess when we did that the first episode was Guy. Mm. Um, I don't actually believe that though. I think you said you like clarified that you just like said that Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess right now, which again, like who knows. I feel like fire is a great suspect. Yeah. Okay. She still hasn't appeared. She's got an ax to grind. Um, lots of talk about her had no presence yet. So mm. I think she might, she might be a factor, but ice knows something either way. And, and that's the other thing is that uh, I feel what, what King does here is that he gives introduces these characters um, where they have some sort of piece of information Um to your earlier point but some of these individual characters also know more than they're letting on and that's the that's also good just interplay yeah exactly it's 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 so much fun it's intriguing it's engaging this is a great book i would say definitely pull it and if you are hearing us and haven't read any issues before just go pick them up there's only three so so this was uh this was my book of the week hmm. yeah i think it was i think it was mine as well um, but I have to say devil's reign pretty good. I know you're not too enthused with the, uh, the like close connected nature of it, the event aspect of it, but, uh, let's, let's talk about it anyways. This is Chip Zdarsky, Marco Chiquetto, uh, colors by Marcio Menez and Clayton Cowles doing the letters on this and human target so how about that ding yep uh crossing borders <laughs> as it were Chip um, will be soon too yeah right right uh batman is batman bound yes that's gonna be cool yep um i i thought this issue was was still pretty good um it continues from where the last issue left off we have a civil war type situation where the superhero registration act not by name but by concept is being employed once again in new york city causing new york superheroes to go underground the fantastic four have been captured um you know steve rogers and luke and um all these different characters are on the run as kingpin employs his plan i love I don't think comics are better than when the villains have the upper hand for some reason and the heroes have to, and when I say comics, I mean, superhero comics sure. um, and the heroes have to 
you know, find a way despite themselves, despite the situation to overcome. And that's what we have right now. Kingpin has never been in a better position to annihilate his foes, but the heroes are going to persevere somehow, some way. And I think that makes for a good drama, uh, underdog story. You know, you like to see it. And uh, the I've been getting more used to the event nature. We've been doing a lot of those for the book club and like even even for the the weekly readings. And so the concepts, I think, are are coming through a bit more um, like I, I'm getting it more every time we read uh, one of these event issues or an event. Um, not necessarily my jam still, but uh, I'm definitely appreciating it a bit more. Uh, it's fun to see like you have Danny Rand in this book and then you come back and Electra's here and you flip the next page and then you're seeing Luke Cage and Spider-Man and, and those are all cool beats all cool moments because you want to be able to um, to play in this in this sandbox and if you're playing in New York these are all characters that live here and it only makes sense would interact it's the it's what uh what Kale always says you're you're kind of uh playing with your your action figures here and um that's fun mm-hmm. uh, i think the story worked well uh easy enough to follow where i i feel like i don't need to know necessarily what's been going on in the daredevil books still because this is pretty self-contained mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean at the end of the day i had fun yeah uh and and i think that's that's you know what what you're supposed to get out of it is fun um there's a lot of stuff here for people that really care about these characters like the idea of luke cage being the one that runs for mayor is huge as somebody who grew up like luke cage is one of the heroes that i grew up with Hmm. when i first started reading comics and new avengers number one by brian michael bendis luke cage was one of the earliest heroes that i saw so to me he's not lesser than anybody else Um, he was the leader of the new Avengers. So this journey that I've been on with this character for, um, well over 10 years now, if this feels like another major chapter of that, which I really love someone who, you know, has is coming into this without that backstory for Luke, that doesn't quite have the same impact. And, and, and in that regard, you do have a tough job, right? Like you have to craft a moment, craft a series that works for someone who's a casual reader, right? And someone who's got long-term investment. I yeah. think Chip did that here. Yeah, I agree. I think the the Luke being pulled up when when they said that, um, I'm like, oh, that actually feels right. It makes sense. And you, you get that. Um, I think what uh, a good example is, I'm trying to find it, when they're in the park, and they're hiding, right? And Tony's like, "Look, I'll give you money." And Luke's <laughs> just like, "Dude, do it for me." Like, and you can feel that that's because he's from the neighborhood. You can right. feel that it's because they respect him. And so when it came to that page where it's like, "I think I should run," I'm like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. He's a well-respected member of this community, and that only makes sense if you're going to run up against a like a villain. That makes for good storytelling." Yeah, totally. Um, there, I will say there are parts of this issue that do feel like they exist to set up things that may not necessarily occur within the pages of Devil's Reign, and that is 
a sin, if you will, of some event stories mm-hmm. that, of course, goes as far as like, if it bothers you that you might have to read something other than the event to get, you know, whatever it is you're trying to get. Like, for example, um, the Electra versus Craven fight. Well, that Bro. happened here. That's crazy. That's that was cool. crazy. That was yeah. that was cool. That was something where I was like, "Oh, damn, that shit happens." Like, I I would honestly read that if that's even if that's like a tie-in, I would read that shit because that was set up and that was fucking cool. Yeah, that was an awesome moment. Um, you know, seeing the villains kind of unite is that going to be something that happens in villains for hire, which they tease in the back? I don't know. Um, but so far, this series is doing absolutely everything I wanted to do. You got Doc Ock, who I love, playing a major position. He's got his own angle. He has his own agenda that's separate from Kingpin's. I love that. Um, Spider-Man is <laughs> in a bad spot right now. Yeah, He, he is in a rough position, um, and I love that too. So re- really, for me, there's nothing to dislike. Um. In that advertisement, also at the end, did you see it said Luke Cage, City of Fire? Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I was <laughs> going to bring that up. <laughs> like, the Luke Cage, City of Fire promo was here alongside Villains for Hire and Spider-Woman. Luke Cage, City for Hire, or City of Fire, rather, being the only Devil's Reign tie-in that I know of that got canceled. Yep. Uh, and clearly, by issue two, you know Luke Cage is a major piece of this story. Spider-Woman isn't even in the story. She hasn't even appeared yet. Mm -hmm. So how is she more, how is getting her book out more important than getting out Luke's book? Honestly, any of them at this point, like, yeah, he's, he's literally poised to be the, the next candidate. And if what, if what we know about the, that Luke Cage book, um, is right. It would have been dealing with uh, the discrimination and disparity in um, New York City. Like that, that makes sense for him to tackle that as an issue, um, not as the superhero, but as a potential candidate and political figure. Yeah. And but we're not going to see it, so that sucks. Maybe it'll come out down the road. You know, maybe Marvel will see some of the feedback that they've gotten about it being canceled and make a different decision, but. Uh, as it stands right now, no, we won't be. So that's not not good. Um, let's talk about the art. What'd you feel about what uh, Marco brought to the table here? Uh, it was tight. There was no um, no complaints. I think everything here feels very much like you you get a top tier artist on an event book, and they deliver. Yeah. Um, clean beats, clean moments, good paneling, story flow works. This is a, a tight book. I don't know that they did anything, you know, mind bending, but this was perfect for what it needed to be. Completely agreed. Um, one of the, my favorite things about Marco Kiketo's work is that it looks epic. It mm. looks his his style is to me in my mind what an event looks like. Um, okay. This is how. Marvel event comics are supposed to look. It's got that. It, it has the echoes and shades of Civil War to it. It, it, it has that grittier kind of feel. This is what I want when I think about what an event needs to look like from a visual standpoint. 
Um, he never ever disappoints. He, I've been a fan of his for almost as long as I've been reading comics, and it's just always impressive. Look at this picture for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Look at this Craven. Oh, yes, I was just looking at that. Yeah, beautiful stuff, great posing, uh, great colors, by the way. Just everything about this is gorgeous, you know. Um, I think this is this is Marvel putting their best foot forward. And it's clear why they wanted this to be an event and not just something that took place in Daredevil. Yeah, how do you feel about that? You, you have you been like, um, have you been caught up on all the Daredevil stuff? A little bit behind, okay, on Daredevil. But um, normally, I think it's best when events spin out of things that are happening in comics. Hmm. So. My, I always go back to Civil War. Civil War was an event that Marvel was leading up to for a couple of years at, at the bare minimum before it happened. And so you could argue that if you were a reader of Spider-Man, for example, Civil War spins out of that. If you were a reader of Iron Man, Civil War spins out of that. So all these different things leading up to this event, it makes it feel like reading the comics from on a monthly basis is worth your time because it goes somewhere. This feels like that daredevil leading up into devil's reign feels good because things that happened over there matter here. Yeah. Your knowledge as a, as a regular reader plays into it. Um, see how we talked about on the main show, the, uh, the upcoming Avengers versus Eternals event. And you were actually able <sighs> to speak to it that's what i'm talking about the fact sure. that you had knowledge you're being rewarded because you're a regular reader of eternals that's what i'm talking about but to that point right like it doesn't feel like that's spinning out of the book and that that feels like they're throwing an event together and then they want to just like plug it into the individual books it feels like oh avengers versus eternals versus x-men and now we try to connect it like we try to jam it into what's going on in the eternals because none of that's related um if you had given me like a a thanos uh arc that is directly related to what's been going on in the um in the eternals book and that would be much more i think contextually relevant and you would get my interest i see what you mean um in the initial avengers versus x-men series if i'm recalling correctly there was literally no lead-in whatsoever it was just like issue one this is it you know um so at least i'm happy that eternals number 10 is gonna deal with uh going into the events of of uh avengers eternals x-men and then also i think uh, celestia is called yeah the one shot Yep. That also deals with it. So there are seeds being planted, although it is very close to the actual, like, eventual event. Um, there's something. So I like that a little more than how Marvel has done their events over the last 10 years, which have just been bunk for the most part hmm. uh, in terms of buildup. But closing out our conversation on Devil's Reign, I think this is the good stuff. If you are a longtime reader of Marvel, if you like more street here, street levels, uh, heroes, you know, I think there's any number of reasons to buy this. Everything you love is here. Must buy, in my opinion. Definitely pick it up.
That's actually a good point. This is much more grounded than, let's say, something like the uh, the Null event, um, anything going on, spinning yeah. out of Venom, or uh, Tyler and I, we, we did um, Avengers Forever. Yep. And, you know, this, this concept and being this close to the ground, I think, is a good reference point. Because I, I definitely didn't, don't feel as lost here as I did reading Avengers Forever. Which is fair because that that is spinning off of Jason Aaron's very long time running Avengers run. Mm. That wasn't that that was like that could have just been Avengers number whatever XXX he's into at this point in his main run. Sure. Um, that yeah, which I didn't get to read that. Um, but I, I know that so many of those things are spinning out of what's going on. So that's that's a weird one. But um, let's leave the listeners with our thoughts about the books that are coming out next week. Let's share with you guys our picks. These are these are not necessarily books we will review. They might be. We will see. Um, but these are the books that we're looking forward to coming out uh, at the start of the new year. Um, are you hot on anything that you uh, want to shout out right now? Yeah. Uh, so anytime that Matt Kent puts out a book, I'm there. Uh, he teams up with Tyler Jenkins, and they're putting out a book called Apache Delivery Service, okay. which is a jungle horror story by Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins. Uh, two hunted men are on a hunt in the jungle of Vietnam, searching for clues to a missing treasure trove of gold that was stolen from all over Asia by a Japanese general during World War II. Um, there's a bit more, you get some murder mystery stuff rolled in and, um, I, I trust these creators. Um, I think Matt Kent, uh, he delivers on pretty much any, anything, any book that he puts out. And, uh, I'm a huge fan of Jenkins art and he, he works with his wife, Hillary Jenkins, who does mm-hmm. the colors. So that's a tag team that is out of this world. Um, I'm very much excited for this. Uh, any any number one from these creators uh, is in my pull list, and uh, I'm trying to see. I think the the only other book next week that's really tickling my fancy is um, Dark Knights uh, Steel. Dark Knights of Steel. Mm. Okay. I've uh, been having fun with it. I issue two is solid, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what else Tom Taylor has. Fair enough. Uh, For me, it's all about Inferno. Inferno Mm. number four drops next week, which is the end of Jonathan Hickman's time for now uh, as a member of the X-Men creative team, as head of X, as it were. Uh, These covers are are amazing. I love love the cover A. It's a Jerome Pena cover. It features Mystique um, transforming into or out of destiny we don't know that i guess that's the idea they're so connected and together that you can't tell them apart i love that uh it's a great cover but there are a lot of other ones that i think are really good i like the uh cover d by davy go which features uh moira holding up some kind of a i don't know if it's magneto's helmet or what it is but um she's reflecting Magneto, Professor Xavier, Emma Storm, and Nightcrawler to themselves. I really love that. Um, So many good covers here. The Udon hidden gem variant is just Mystique standing um, with her hip kind of cocked, and it's a gorgeous cover. 
Marvel's pulling out all the stops for these great covers. Jonathan Hickman, Valerio Skitty, The End of the Inferno Saga. I just, I, there's no words for it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. Yeah, this is hype. Uh, this has been, this has been an awesome book. Um, excited that, uh, sad that Hickman's leaving, but um, I think he's going to leave it uh, with a bang. So yeah. hyped for that. Yeah, totally. Um, it's going to be special. You can bet your bottom dollar. We will be reviewing that right here next week, along with other amazing books. Thank you guys so much for listening. Let us know if there are books you want us to review that we're not talking about. Uh, if that is the case, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Get us on social at thecomicspals. Leave us a comment wherever you're listening for sure. Um, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thecomicspals while you are at it. Thank you guys for your support. We appreciate you as always. For Marco, I'm Sean saying until next week, take care, guys. See you.